Hey, how we are we all we today? Last day of 2017, a little bit warm. What are our thoughts on 2017 being behind us? Good. I'm over it. You're over it? Ready to move on? I like even numbers. You like even numbers? <laughs> 17 was a low year, 2018's... We're going up. That's cool. Um, yeah, it's interesting to sort of like sit at the end of a year and then... And, um, you know, take stock of what's happened in that year and um, I'm just going to keep talking while I get my water um, and take stock of the year and then, you know, when we're looking into a new year, um, you know, see what we're going to change. I know New Year's resolutions are a bit meh, blah, whatever, what, whatever, but um, it's good to see where we come from and where we're going and realign. So that's where we stand today. So I want to start off with a bit of a story today. Um, the other day, I caught a plane down south. Um, I was, it was all organised for me. It was paid for me. Um, and the flight was for a ticket. Uh, sorry, the flight was from Toowoomba to Melbourne. Um, all I had to do was present my ticket and board the plane. And on my ticket, it said, you know, you're going to Melbourne. On the plane um, departures screen, it said, you know, this plane's going to Melbourne. So I got on the plane... And this really, really bizarre, crazy, weird thing happened to me. I actually ended up in Melbourne. Get out, yeah? So I boarded a plane that was heading to Melbourne, and I ended up in Melbourne. And some of you, I know all of you, not just some of you, all of you are looking at me like, what, man, you are, you are crazy. The heat's got to your head, whatever. That's not, it's not unusual. That's expected, yeah? Your ticket said you were going to Melbourne. Why would you be surprised to end up there? Why would you expect anything else? And yeah, it's absolutely, you are correct. I'm, I'm crazy. But you, you see this airline company, they had set, they, they owned this plane and they had organised well before my ticket was bought that this plane was going to fly from Toowoomba to Melbourne. And... Um, on this day, this date, all things being equal and the weather, mechanical, personnel issues, whatever, everybody that was on board this plane was going to end up in Melbourne. So that's a little bit of a sniff of what is to come today. Some of you probably have already clued onto it if you've been on Facebook in the last day or two in the Willowburn page. And it's a deep subject today, but it's a joyful subject as well. And it's... Um, it's one that we're going to round out our identity, our identity series with. Um, and it's the subject, the statement that you are predestined. Now, I understand that this can sometimes be a bit of a divisive topic. And so let's just, I just want us today to just put aside any of the, our preconceived ideas and we just want to open ourselves up to pure leading from the Holy Spirit. So, um, so let's pray. Oh, Lord, you're beautiful. Lord, as we have sung just before I came up here, we just pray, Lord, that you would restore right spirit in us and you, we would lower ourselves, that we would be made nothing, Lord, and we would open ourselves up to the truth from your word. Help me, Lord. Give me the right words to say. as we understand what it is to be in Christ, 
from the blessings that come from that, Lord, and where are we going because of that? So, Lord, I pray that you would move amongst us, make your truth clear to us, and convict us clearly of it. We ask these things in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. So, let's open up our Bibles, paper, electronic, papyrus, scrolls, whatever, to Ephesians chapter 1. I thought Barb was going to lead in for me because I took a sneak peek of her um, as she was lit, as she was giving us that little devotional and she had her Bible open to Ephesians. So I thought, yeah, intro done for me, but no. <laughs> She's from somewhere else. But thanks for that, Barb. That was very, um, I think, very prophetic in a way, what you had to share. Thank you. So, um, yeah, today um, is our journey to understand um, the biblical view of predestination and what it means for us as God's people to be predestined. Um, We're going to be reading a passage today that when it was originally written by Paul, it was a massive sentence of over 200 words, big ideas, like a big... And if there's school teachers in the house, um, you know, if if we tried to make a 200-word sentence in school, our teacher would have given us an F and probably made some corny joke about passing out because they didn't have anywhere to stop and take a breath or there was no structure or something anywhere. But Paul, he was a clever dude and he was a really cluey guy and he constructs these big ideas in big sentences. So, um, yes, they are deep and we must be careful to understand them rightly. And even, even Peter, actually, in one of his letters, he, he talks about these big, meaty, heavy, complex things that Paul talks about. And he said, yeah, they're sometimes hard to understand, but... You know, some people have understood them wrongly and they've ended up in a whole world of hurt. So we've got to take Peter's warning as well and let's, let's understand this rightly. So, as, yes, we just want, I just want us to understand this rightly in all humility under illumination from the Holy Spirit. So let us read Ephesians chapter 1. We'll start in verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and to the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things, according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed 
with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. And we'll just leave it there. So firstly, audience and context of our passage. That's how we always have to start understanding um, passages in the Bible. We need to understand the audience that they're written to and the context that they sit in. So Paul here is in Ephesians. He's under house arrest in Rome and he's writing to the Ephesian church. Now, who's he addressed in the, in the intro? Who's he addressed in, in um, verse 1? Saints, that's right, the faithful in Christ Jesus. So he's not just talking to any sort of Joe Blow that's bouncing around the edges, sort of flitting into church once, a, once in a blue moon, sort of just there for the social life or anything, actually hasn't committed themselves to Christ. He's not talking to those people. That's not the audience. All right, the audience is the, the faithful in Christ Jesus, those, the saints the legit Christians, the ones who in the eyes of God the Father are wearing Christ's robes of righteousness. That's the audience. Now, curiously, this passage is often the go-to passage when it comes to finding out what predestination is. And yeah, funnily enough, that's what we're going to do today. It's a bit ironic. We're using that today. But to understand the idea of predestination properly, we need to understand the overall, we need to understand the overall theme of this passage. And there's a larger theme at play in this passage. And this overall um, bigger theme is the sort of like the screw that drives all the other ideas in this passage. And so this other theme, this main theme was mentioned about 10 times through that passage. And you've probably picked up on it. It was said a lot as we read through it. There's a few variations there. Does anyone know what that theme is? I emphasise it every time. In Him. In Christ. In the Beloved. In Him, in Him, in Him, in Him, in Him. Did I say it ten times yet? In Him. That is the driving theme of this passage. That's the context that we need to understand this predestination through the lens through. So, what's Paul mean when he's talking about... um, What's Paul mean when he mentions in Christ? Like, what does that mean? We're all sort of like, we're all grown up in churches, I suppose, and we've probably got a bit of an idea of what that means. It's all right, it's hot, I'll answer it for you. It's kind of, it's like a phrase, it's used a lot through the Bible, isn't it? To, to reference true believers. See, Luke did a great rundown of it this morning. Like, we are born, our default condition, when we were born into this world as babies, we're sinners. Our default condition is that. We cannot get away from that. We also can't get away from We can't save ourselves from it. There is no way out of that. You're born like this. You can't do anything about it yourself. This is a problem, though, because God, the king of the universe, the overall omnipotent being, he can't look on sin. That's a big problem for you, a measly little human that is sinful. Don't want to take your odds in a fight. You know what I mean? That's a big problem. So, God and his plan, through Jesus, organized for Jesus' death, and through Jesus' death, he's paid for our sin. He's covered over our sin by Jesus' death, and therefore we are sinless. We're covered over. We're protected by God's wrath. We are um, 
and God's wrath passes over us, to use the, the Passover reference, because of Jesus' death being applied over us. And God's wrath just passes over us. Even in Colossians chapter 3, we see you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That's this in Christ idea. Now, to get a bit of a picture of this, um, I'm going to confess something and I'm going to confess a guilty pleasure of mine. And that is those, I love watching those really honky um, prepper shows. Laugh at me, like, you know, laugh it up, that's okay. Those prepper shows, you know, where there's those people and they, they are certain that an apocalypse is coming, whether it's, you know, nuclear war, whether it's um, aliens attacking, you know, whether it's a zombie apocalypse, whether it's, you know, financial crisis, solar flare, you know, whatever is going to happen. There's a whole spectrum from the really unbelievable improbable to the highly likely, you know, that these people are worried about happening. Anyway, this, this certain show that I was watching, it, um, it was about this guy who builds bunkers for people that want to ride out apocalypses. And this certain client that he had was worried of, he was scared of tsunamis. He lived along the western coast, somewhere in the States. Someone must have been prone to tsunamis, I suppose. Apparently there's a big fault line that runs through there. Tiff or Rick or Nadine, or probably someone could fill it in. San Andreas Fault, there we go, that big thing. Um, so anyway, he was worried about some seismic activity that was going to form an earth, earthquake and, and therefore a tsunami. So he had this guy build this massive ball. It's an iron ball. It was made of really thick metal. It was double-walled. So the idea being, this wall sits in someone's backyard, I suppose, as like an art piece most of the time. Comes tsunami warning. Old mate runs inside with his, him and his family. It's like a modern-day Noah's Ark, pretty much. He um, runs inside with his family, closes the door, straps himself in, and as the tsunami rushes in up onto the land, this ball floats and gets carried around with the ocean currents and smashes through buildings, knocks over the neighbor's house, crushes the neighbor's car, and the neighbor's cat's on top of it. Um, you know, like, it's just, it, it, this ball bears the brunt, it bears the wrath of what is coming in this tsunami. Okay, it takes in itself all those strong currents, those tree logs, you know, whatever, it's smashing around cars, whatever's going on, it absorbs that. It protects those inside of it. As I said, it's like a modern-day Noah's Ark, okay? Those inside are safe, inside. This is the idea of us being in Christ, come God's wrath. So that's, I hope that sort of helps us sort of understand this idea of what being in Christ is. So how do we become in Christ? Let's get this, oh no, I think I've got it written down. Um, how do we become in Christ? I think it's verse 13 in our passage. It gives us the detail around this. We are marked in Christ when we hear the word of truth, which is, you know, the good news that Jesus died and rose again to uh, redeem you. And then what, what, then what? What do we do? What must we do? We believe in him. So this is where we understand what he has done for us and we humbly come to him thinking we, 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 just, we are thanking him for his infinitely generous gift that, is, that he has given us. 
We turn our back on our old self, and we talked about this in the um, bought with a price session. Like that old sinful self is then dragged out into the town square. It is rightfully murdered. It is nailed up on the cross with Jesus. Jesus was. And then the new man, the new person, rises to life, as Jesus also did. And then it's then that we are sealed with God's Holy Spirit, and that is His guarantee that you will, capital letters, will, will ultimately be welcomed into that rich inheritance that comes as part of being as God's family. So that's our background of what in Christ means, this idea of in Christ. This, not predestination, is the main event of this whole passage. This massive sentence that Paul's constructed, this big convoluted thing, it's got lots of complex little parts of it going on. This whole sentence is constructed around the idea of what is in line, what is promised for those in Christ. So with that under our belts, we can rightly then apply that lens to understanding what predestination is. And we can get the the right idea of this smaller idea, predestination. So let's dive in, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. So before we go peeling through these two verses, I just want us to refresh and get something clear in our mind. Who's the audience again? Who's the us here? Absolutely, that's right. The, the, church, the legit church, okay? Those covered under Jesus' blood, wearing his robes of righteousness, the people that Paul has addressed this letter to, the faithful in Christ Jesus. That is the us here. So, we'll substitute that in. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ, who has blessed the faithful in Christ Jesus, with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Now, this is a cool one. The first point of our truth here in this passage is that God the Father, through the death of His Son, has lavished, lavished, slathered on thick every spiritual blessing. Okay? Every spiritual blessing. In, for those in Christ, for, those, you know, for the faithful in Christ Jesus. So what's a spiritual blessing? Pretty vague, isn't it? What are spiritual blessings? I, I, I thought this as well. I'm just like, man, what are spiritual blessings? I just, bet I kept reading. And we don't have to go far to see the first one. We'll continue our section. Even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before Him. So the first spiritual blessing is that before the world was even made, God decided that us in Him, us in Him, the faithful in Christ Jesus, would end up holy and blameless before Him. Before even the smallest of subatomic particles existed, God wanted a people of His own to be holy and blameless. Before anything was created, obviously even before sin had entered the world, God chose His Son to come and eradicate sin and its consequences for those found in Him, for those in His Son. 
verse 9 and 10, later on down, it builds on this picture a little bit further. It says, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. So, the Son is the truly predestined one before the world was formed. This was the Son's path plotted out for Him. This was the route that He was to travel before there was even sin to atone for. This, it was where Christ was destined to go. So, therefore, being in Him, therefore, being in Him means that's the same place where the faithful in Christ are going also, okay? That's where they are going also. So we think of this, well, back to the, my plane analogy at the start, think about a plane travelling to its destination, okay? Those who get in know where it's going. The plane then takes them on its predetermined flight path. Yeah? So likewise, God has declared the path and He has declared the destination for His Son. He knew and He declared this before Adam was even made out of dirt. He declared that a group of people, whoever they would end up being, if they are found in His Son, they would be made, they would end up holy and blameless before Him. So whoever you are, it doesn't matter. If you are in Christ, this blessing is for you. This blessing is for you. If you are in Christ, this blessing is for you. That you will be made holy and blameless before Him. Does that just blow your socks off or or what? Like, give you a big stupid grin? Like, that's heavy, eh? Whoever you are, it doesn't matter. If you're found in Christ, you're going to be blameless and holy before Him through His Son. So let's jump in for another spiritual blessing. End of verse 4 and verse 5. In love, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ. So here is God's primary attribute. Like, What is God's... What's, what, what's, what is God? God is love. Exactly. First John tells us. God is love. It's the thing we're told that God actually is. God is love. And this is His primary attribute and this is directing His action. Out of His great love, He predestined who? Us, the saints. Exactly. The, pre, the faithful in Christ Jesus. So interesting point to note here. That predestination is counted as one of the blessings for those who are in Christ. This is one of the blessings for those who are in Christ. Remember, Christ is our in those in Christ. What's coming for those in Christ? This is the overall theme. Predestination is one of these blessings. So, in other words, predestination to adoption into God's family as children is for God's people only. Predestination doesn't apply to anyone that is not God's people. Anyone that is not in Christ, it doesn't apply to them. Well, they're predestined, I suppose, to another place, but 
adoption and sonship of God only for those in Christ. So, it also doesn't apply to anyone who is yet to receive, if someone is not in Christ, if they are yet to receive God's saving grace in their life, predestination does not apply to them. This adoption, this predestined into adoption as sonship does not apply to them. So those outside of Christ who, they aren't predestined into God's family. If right now they're not in Christ, they're not predestined into God's family. This is how predestination works. Even if they might become in Christ at a time later in their life, when people are marked in Christ, this is when they become predestined. Their destination into God's family is made certain. So, predestination here is not just God arbitrarily picking um, a few lucky individuals He will make able to love Him and then choosing them, putting them in His family. Predestination here is also not God looking into the future before the world began, seeing who picks Him and then picking them back. These, these are not the predestination from this passage. These are, these are not predestination from this passage. Predestination in this passage is the all-powerful Sovereign over free will creatures, loving king of God of the universe, sealing with his own spirit the absolute uh, epitomical certainty okay, of all those who humble themselves, repent of their sins, believe in him and are found faithful in Christ. His son to be adopted into his family as his children. That's what the predestination in this passage is talking about. So this is how we see God adopting those faithful in Christ. He sees his son, his love for his son, those in Christ, they're part of his family as well. Welcome into my family. You will come into my family. So how great is this, yeah? God's love of those found in His Son guarantees adoption, His adoption of those into His family. Guarantees it. So to think about this, imagine, imagine a poor child in a developing world being adopted into a billionaire's family. Imagine that. So they go from wearing filthy, muddy, stinking rags as clothes and scavenging on rubbish tips to wearing the nicest clothes money can buy and working great jobs for good income. And they go from eating a few grains of rice a day to eating like Michelin star meals that are like probably made for them by like private chefs in their own house. It's ridiculous. It's crazy. And they go from not being able to read or even maybe write their own name to then going to the best like Ivy League colleges, having the best private tutors, the best schools, everything money can buy. That's where they go. You think of that distance, that difference between those two worlds, and you multiply that up by orders of magnitude on top of powers on top of powers, and you might just catch like a fleeting glimpse as it heads into the stars of like what it looks like for us to be adopted into God's family. God's loving will here is explained. His loving will is the absolute certainty that all of those found in Christ, the faithful in Christ Jesus, will 
will be adopted into his family. And this is really awesome news for my little sister and for my little brothers and my big sisters and my big brothers. Like, this is awesome news. If you are in Christ, this is an absolute certainty for you, okay? Nothing could be more secure, more true than the absolute truth that through Christ you will be welcomed into God's family. Like John 1 even says, and talks about this, when it says like, um, is it chapter, is it verse 10 or 11 or 12 or something in there? But, but to all who did receive him, to them who, like, who believed on his name, he gave the right to become children of God. The right. It's a guaranteed right. You believe in his name? Guaranteed right to become children of God. So think of that plain illustration from earlier. And I know it's not a perfect analogy, but imagine it is and you, have, you don't have weather and mechanical and personnel issues to deal with, okay? We set aside those. Boarding that plane comes with the certainty of arriving at the place that it is destined for. You get into the plane knowing where it's going because you want to get where it's going and you can't get there yourself. You can't get to the destination yourself. It might be overseas, you know, for whatever. Think of it as in just an earthly context. It might be overseas. Like, I want to get from here to Hawaii. I can't, sw- I can't do that. I can't get there myself. I just can't. No matter how strong a swimmer I am. I need a plane. You need the plane. So you give all your trust and your responsibility and your worth over to the airline and the pilot and the plane to get you there. You give it over to them to get you to the promised destination. So think of this. Get in the plane and you're predestined to where it's going. Get in Christ and you're predestined to God's family. This is the central call of the gospel, right? Get in, get in Christ. Be reconciled back to God. You went astray. Come back to God through Christ. This is the way made open for you. Get in Christ and you will absolutely, definitely become a child of God. Like, wow. So the spiritual blessings then continue through this passage and we don't have time to expound them all, but let's list them so that actually what we could do is maybe, maybe read through these for the first week of 2018. Like, what an awesome way to go into a new year, like understanding the spiritual blessings in line for you being found in Christ. Verse 6, we are blessed in the beloved. Verse 7, we are redeemed through his blood. And also in verse 7, we're forgiven of trespasses or our sins. Verse 9, the mystery of his will being made known to us. That's a big one requires a lot of thinking. Maybe we can do, you know, sermons on that later on next year as a mini-series, through the mega-series maybe. Verse 11, we're being given an inheritance. This really ties in with, you know, being adopted into a family, given an inheritance as part of that. So let's dive back in again at verse 13 there because this is the verse that makes sense of all that has come before in terms of our responsibility. This is your responsibility. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. 
So when were all these spiritual blessings that we've read about in this passage, when were they credited to your account? When were they applied to you? When you first heard the word of truth, so faith comes by hearing, we've got to hear first, heard the word of truth, the gospel of Jesus' death for you, his burial for you, his resurrection for you, when you hear that, and second, what? Believed in him. That's on you. Believe. You must believe. God doesn't make you believe and no one can believe on your behalf. You're personally responsible with what you do with that truth of Jesus' death when it comes to your ears, when it goes in your eyes. You are personally responsible for that, what you do with that when you hear it. When you believe, then you are sealed with God's Holy Spirit. Sealed can never be taken away. And then you are predestined to be adopted into God's family. And all the other blessings that are listed in this passage, for those who are in Christ, they then become yours. So in our plain analogy, this is the equivalent of a ticket's held out in front of you. It's got your name on it, the destination's written on it, you know where it's going. This is the equivalent of you just taking that ticket and getting on the plane. You can't do it yourself. You can't get to where the plane's going yourself. Just get on the plane. You will be welcomed into God's family. So how does this sit with us now? Like We look around in time. We're at the end of 2017. We take stock of what's happened in the year past. We look down at our toes and they're on the verge of 2018. Man, like what's the uncertainty to come? in 2018, like what's ahead? What does this mean? Like how, how do we apply this knowledge that we're predestined into God's family through Christ? How does knowing that affect us as we move into a new year? See, some of our Willowburn family and some of our dear friends from town who occasionally visit be moving to different towns and cities won't they? It's going to be sad for us because we love these guys and it's going to be full of uncertainties for them, like new friends and new social cliques and city streets to navigate and new routines and new living arrangements and all all these sorts of things. But here's some certainty for you, all right? In Christ, you are predestined to arrive in that great city one day that God has made for his people. And some of us, like we've heard, we've heard about it in our prayer and share, like many of us, like we're going to have face real uncertainty with our health in 2018. Just from what we see, what we know at the moment, we assume. We can see that our health issues coming up on the horizon. And how does that look for us? Like, you know, there's that uncertainty around, is it going to make me, and I'm going to be healed, and things are going to be better, or is it going to be worse? Is things going to get worse? And is this just what I'm going to have to live with for the rest of my life? So here's some certainty for you. In Christ, you are predestined to one day receive what? A new body, glorified bodies, perfect bodies. 
And then some of us, we're going to face changes in our careers, in income, in relationships, and all these big, you know, life-changing kind of things. We're going to go through these changes. Some of us may be lucky and just face the same old, same old for another year. Maybe. But whatever, whatever comes from that, like, whatever we face, like the shining joy from Ephesians 1 is just that, that warm hope, warm hope you know, of being sealed with God's Holy Spirit within us and then being assured a place, assured a place of adoption into God's family. And, and this is a great truth and it should shine brighter in us and it should be brought to mind more frequently, the harder and rougher life gets. We should think about it more. So, Christians, um, lift your eyes. Lift your eyes. This is good news. Look out into 2018 and knowing that, you know, through Christ, whatever comes your way, you're predestined for adoption into God's family. That is awesome news. Let's just pray. Um, I'm just going to just pray and time with communion as well. So, if you are in Christ, um, this is where we remember um, the work Jesus went, the Jesus sacrifice, really, um, coming from heaven to earth to die for us, to to seal for us, to ensure a way back to God for us. And this is where we remember it. So, if you're in Christ, I just want to invite you to come up and take this eat the bread together oh, sorry eat the bread um, in your own time and then hold the hold the wine juice and we will um, we'll drink that together so I'm just going to pray and let's come up Lord Jesus thank you for preparing the way for us back to God thank you for the price that you paid to do that making the way for us Lord thank you that in you, we can be made reconciled. We can be reconciled back to God. Lord, you have blessed us so much. Father, make us truly thankful of this meal. We praise you and worship you. Amen.